Well, here we are, uh, January 28, 28 days into this new year of 2018. If you set um, any goals for your life for this year, or if you made any resolutions, how are you doing about keeping them? Whether it's about um, uh, staying on a good diet, whether it's working out, uh, whether it's uh, something about your devotion life, your spiritual life, enhancing that, uh, reading your Bible every day, having a quiet time every day. I hope you're doing well with that. Research tells us that, um, that usually it takes 21 repetitions to create something as a, as a discipline or a habit or a routine so that it becomes a part of your life. So if you've been staying with these things for 28 days now, then think about the fact that um, it ought to be a part of your life. And so uh, hopefully you're doing that and things are going well as you're moving through 2018. Negative side of that is some recent research I read, though, said that it takes 66 repetitions before something becomes a part of your life. Let's hope that it's 21 and not 66, okay? So here we are uh, at the beginning of, well, at the middle, perhaps, of this day on um, January 28th. When this day ends, January 28th, when this day ends, I want you to think about the fact that you will have lived 672 hours, 40,320 minutes, and 2,419,200 seconds in this year of 2018. And what I want to ask you, I want you to think about that time related for a moment and ask you, how well have you spent this time in this new year so far? Have you made the most of these days? Have you made the most of your time? Um... I want you to think about something, too. I want you to think about a minute. How, how long does a minute last and what can happen in a minute's time? There are, if I've done my math right, there are 1,440 minutes in a day. And there are 525,949.2 minutes per year. You round that up to be 526,000 minutes per year. What's the value of a minute? What, why is a minute so significant? Why am I pointing out a minute when we're talking about a year? Well, it's because, you know, minutes become hours and hours become days and days become weeks and weeks become months and months become years. But what happens in a minute? What's so significant about it? Well, let me tell you what can happen in a minute. It happens every day in one minute's time. 25 Americans will get a passport. In one minute every day, 58 airplanes will take off around the world. In one minute in the United States, 116 people will get married. Every minute, 144 people move into a new home. Just think about that. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Every minute in the United States, 11,319 packages will be delivered by UPS. Every minute in the United States, 243,000 photos will be uploaded to Facebook. Now, here's where it really gets fascinating to me. And I've, I've worked with Lindsay on this, so we hope we got our figures correct on this. Every minute, 5,441,400 pounds of garbage will be created. Now, the other part, the amazing part about this body of ours, every minute, 7,150,000,000 human hearts 
will beat 500 billion, 500 million times, according to the American Heart Association. And every minute, these bodies of ours will create 858 quadrillion, 282 trillion, 240 billion new red blood cells. Now, to me, that is fascinating. And it's overwhelming. It just simply reminds us how wonderfully and fearfully we are made. But go back to the beginning of all of this. All of those incredible things, those statistics take place in a minute every day. Every day. What what, what are we stressing this about? Well, we're starting a new year. And, And the challenge I have for you today is to make some new determinations in your life is I want you to take advantage, because the Bible says so, of every opportunity, of every minute of every day. The scripture for today out of, Rome, out of Ephesians 5, 1 through 17, from the pen of the Apostle Paul, is a great challenge to us when he talks about the fact that we're to redeem the time, make the most of our time as we make some determinations for our life. See, at the end of this day, what will you have done significantly for the kingdom of God? Listen to what Paul says about how we should live our life in light of how fast time passes us. And remember these things that happen in a minute. A minute is a significant amount of time. We've already seen what a lot of things can take place in that. So listen to what Paul says. Paul says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, this is where he's talking about now our lifestyle. He said, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be uh, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. Now those are some strong words about things we should not do, how we should not use our time. Now here's some things he says how we should live in our time. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now listen to how he closes this with the challenge about our time and making some new determinations for our life. He said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, when we put this concept together about the fact that we are 28 days into a new year and how many minutes we've lived and how many hours we've lived, 
It's a reminder to us of what Paul says to us here uh, about, about time. And that is, he says, we should be making the most of every opportunity. That's verse 16. New American Standard says, making the most of your time. Contemporary English version says, these are evil times, so make every moment count. Make every minute count. Every well the significance of minute. Now, while we've got the rest of this new year before us, if we live through it, and the rest of our life, however we live, long we live, to live out these things, what is it that Paul challenges us to do? He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, he's saying, there are some decisions that you will make in this year. Right now it's 2018. There are some new uh, directions for your life, or new distinctions for your life that you will make. What will you make? Be wise with your time because it is fleeing. The days are evil, they're short, and we need to be wise about how we live our life. Bad news, the past is gone. 2006, 17 is gone, it's there, it's past, you can't do anything about it. Good news is you got the rest of 2018 and the rest of your life to make some distinctive decisions and live for the glory of God. And that's what Paul is saying to us. He tells us to be wise about how we make these decisions. You can make a lot of decisions about how you're going to spend your time. But Paul's encouragement to us is, and it should be always, that we spend our time wisely. Proverbs 17, 24 in the Good News Version says, An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. You see, sometimes we got to be guilty and admit the fact that we're guilty of trying to do something and we start off and we go in a lot of different directions. That's not wise, Paul says. I mean, what, what the proverb says, the writing of wisdom says. He says, but an intelligent person aims at wise actions. So, I want to challenge us today to some new directives in our life based upon what Paul writes here in this letter around the concept about redeeming the time and making sure we spend our time carefully. And it's going to be simple as A, B, C, and D. Four things. A, B, C, D. Okay? First one is this with A. And that is accept responsibility for your life. You're going to make some wise decisions. Then you've got to accept responsibility for your life. That's not, that's not what our culture has taught us. We're a product of our culture. And we're living in a politically correct culture. We're living in a culture that, that's uh, trained us to expect entitlement. We're people who don't want to take responsibility for our life. Because when something goes wrong, we want to blame somebody. See, everything bad in your life, by what, what we're taught today in this culture, is, is somebody else's fault. Blame the environment. Blame the education process. Blame your parents. Blame anybody else. It's not your fault. You get in an accident, it's not your fault. You get burned by hot coffee, sue McDonald's. It's their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. You will never get anywhere until you accept responsibility for your life. That's what Paul is saying to us in verses 1 through 2. He says, be imitators of God as beloved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he's saying you have a decision to make. 
make a wise decision to be imitators of God and live a life of love the way we're supposed to live. Each of us is responsible for the decision we make with how we're going to go about living our life. Now, there are circumstances in life we cannot control. That's not what I'm talking about is taking control over everything in your life because there are circumstances that we have no control over. We don't have any control over the weather. We couldn't stop it from raining today if we wanted it to. We don't have any control over our health. You can eat right, diet, and exercise and do all that kind of stuff. And still there are some, some health issues that have come upon you over which you have no control. We don't have any control over the economy. We don't have any control over the words and actions of other people. Boy, I wish I did. Don't you? Things would be a whole lot different if we could live that way. You know, you don't have any control sometimes over the corporate decisions that are made where you work. But there are circumstances that you can control. And over these, you need to take control. Because if you don't, somebody else will in your life. See, I, I basically see three kinds of people in life. There are accusers, excusers, and choosers. Accusers are always the people saying, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's your fault. There are excusers who are always making an excuse for whatever it is that takes place in their life. They're too lazy, most of them, to make a decision for their own life. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 13, a lazy man is full of excuses. We're full of excuses. And then there are choosers. Choosers are the people who say, I'm going to choose to be responsible for my life and I'm going to accept the responsibility to make goals for my life, to determine my direction in life. I'm not going to be dependent upon the decisions of somebody else. I'm going to choose the direction of my life as God leads me. That's a powerful way to live. That's the first step is admit that you need to take control of your life. Things you can control, control them. Things you can't control, turn them over to God, ask for his guidance and leadership. That leads to number two and letter B. And that is then believe in the power of God to change your life. Believe in the power of God to change your life. In verses three through seven, Paul pointed out some things that should not be in our life. He talks about the fact that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality, no kind of impurity or greed. He said there should be no obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Then he says no immoral, impure, or greedy person has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with these empty words. Those are things that should not be in the life of a believer. We struggle with those things, though, don't we? Pornography is an issue. And everything that goes along with that. We struggle with a lot of other issues in life because we don't make wise decisions about our life. He tells us later on here in verses 8 following about the fact that we once were in darkness and did those things and now we're in light and we don't do those things. And he tells us how we're supposed to live as children of light. He said the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. He said find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. He says it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. 
But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. We're children of light. We're to live as people of light. We should, be, we should have no fear of what the light will reveal about our life. Okay, now you say, all right, I want to live for the glory of God. And I really, truly have tried. How do I go about doing that? Well, number one, let's go back to, to where we have to begin if we really want to do that for the glory of God. You got to answer the question, am I a new person in Christ? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Am I a new person in Christ? Paul wrote to the, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That is where you come to acknowledge Christ as the Savior of your life. You confess your sins, you admit your need for Him, you ask Him to come into your life, you turn your life over to Him, you allow Him to be the Savior of your life. That's that radical spiritual change that comes and takes place when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you allow Him to be the Savior of your life. And it moves us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. All right, if you made that decision, that's not just something you check off, but that is a decision you make to have a relationship with God. Have you made that decision? You're living with Him. All right, and then you say, okay, I've made that, but I still struggle. I still struggle to see the power of God in my life bringing about change. All right, let's look at a couple of other things then. I made that decision, but I struggle. Let me ask you some questions then. Have you confessed your sins to God? Even when we're in Christ, we still sin, right? None of us are perfect. Have you confessed your sin? You got sin in your life, you got to confess it. God's power can't work in your life when there's unconfessed sin in your life. But here's the good news. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, the good news is when we confess our sin... Christ is already there interceding for us and, and, and saying to God, I died for him, I died for her, and our sins are forgiven based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Have you confessed your sins? Secondly, have you crowned Jesus as Lord of your life? Have you crowned Jesus as Lord of your life? Are you on the basis of this? Are you on the throne of your life? That's not what I meant when I said you have to accept responsibility for your life. You have to accept responsibility for the fact that you're going to make biblical decisions for your life based upon God's leadership and will for your life. That's totally different than being on the throne of your life. If you're on the throne of your life, you're the Lord of your life. And you won't ever get anywhere. Have you allowed Jesus to be crowned as the Lord of your life? Sometimes you'll be challenged to say, make Jesus Lord of your life. Let me, let me correct that. You can't make Jesus anything. He is Lord. You allow Him to be Lord of your life. You understand the difference in that? The Apostle Paul again writes in Romans 14, 9 and says, Christ died and rose and lived again that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Crown Him as Lord of your life. Have you done that? And thirdly, have you claimed His amazing power? In your life. See, the Bible tells us, like Ephesians 3 20, 
that God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can even dare to ask or think or imagine. Have you claimed that power from God? See, it's that power that Paul was writing about in Philippians 4.13 when he said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, have you claimed that strength? You claim that power? You really believe that verse? See, if, if you want to know whether, you, whether you're doing the right things to find the power of God at work in your life, to bring about these life changes and help you make wise decisions, you've got to go back and say, okay, number one, am I in relationship with God to begin with? You will not be able to put Christian principles and practices into place in your life until you're in relationship with God. That's first and foremost. You've got to be a new creation in Him. Then you've got to deal with the sin in your life. You've got to confess that sin. Then you've got to crown Jesus Lord of your life. And then you've got to claim the power that He has for you. And when you do, you will find that God will be at work in your life doing amazing and incredible things. You will find that you will have the power to live as a child of the kingdom of God and live in light and not in darkness. Allow God's power to change your life. Here's the third thing. Let us see. Clarify the priorities of your life. Clarify the priorities of your life. We all have priorities in our life. When we are talking about time earlier and what can take place in a minute, the reason I did all that is because is time is our most valuable commodity. You think about that for a moment. It's not your money. It's not your portfolio. It's not your possessions at home. It's your time. That's your most valuable commodity today. It affects everything you do, and it especially affects church life and your spiritual life. Why don't you have time for your quiet time to develop that relationship with God? Because you've got time booked for something else, right? Why don't you have time for involvement in the life of the church and have your children here? Because it's more important that you have their time designated for sports and for piano and for dance and for everything else and it all takes place seven days a week, right? Time is your most precious commodity. So to get the most use out of your time that's going to bless you spiritually, you got to prioritize your life. What's most important in your life? What makes your life fulfilling? What would make your life most fulfilling? If you had a bucket list, or if you do have a bucket list, what's on that bucket list? You know, that bucket list is things you want to make, you want to do, or would like to do before you die, before you kick the bucket, okay? What's on your bucket list? I read this week about a BMW survey that asked a thousand United States adults to identify what they would include on their bucket list. That is, things they want to do before they die. The amazing thing is, most of them indicated they want to do something daring. And I'll share that with you in just a moment. The interesting thing is there was nothing spiritual that people wanted to do. Here's what, here's what the survey said. 34% of people said they would, they would want to drive a race car. 
28%, they would want to skydive. Some of you have already done that, haven't you? Look around. Some people have done that. Yeah. You've done it or you want to do it? Twice you've done it. Okay. And live to tell about it. Great. 23% said, oh, and also you could probably ride in David and you ride a, or drive a race car. Maybe he'll let you drive his car. Okay. His Corvette. He lives on the edge. 23% said they'd want to run a marathon. Well, you've got to train if you want to run a marathon, right? 18% said they want to bungee jump. Anybody bungee jump? Anybody ever done that? See, there's a, there's a sense of kind of daring and excitement that people say they would like to do on their bucket list. You've you got to clarify your priorities, especially your spiritual ones. And when you do that, I want to suggest, I want to challenge you. Put on your spiritual bucket list something that is daring. Like take a mission trip to a foreign country. Lead somebody to Christ. Teach a Bible class. All kinds of daring things you haven't dared to do in your nice, comfortable, cozy Christian life, right? Is it, here's the significance about prioritizing the priorities of your life. They determine our values. Our values determine our vision. And our vision determines our goals. And our goals determine our actions. Now learn to prioritize your life. I want to give you a challenge for three spiritual priorities that I want to challenge you to make in your life this year, starting right now, okay? First and foremost, number one, is your relationship with God. Deepen your love relationship with God. Deepen your love relationship with God. I want to challenge everybody to do that because that should be your first priority in life. There's an interesting thing that I was working in this particular passage of Scripture in Mark 12, 28 through 30. I got a call from a buddy and he said, hey, he said, I'm doing some Bible study. And he said, I got to this part and he was reading out of the Matthew passage that says the same thing. And this is what it says. He said that some, of the, some of the lawyers were debating the teachers of the law. And they looked at Jesus and they asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus said, the most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Okay. That talks about the importance of prioritizing your love and your time with God above anything else. So my buddy says, that, that's not one of the Ten Commandments, is it? And I said, no, it's not one of the Ten Commandments. He said, well, help me out. What's Jesus saying here? I said, here's the issue. There, there were the Ten Commandments, but then the Jewish nation developed hundreds and hundreds of laws and commandments and rules and all that kind of stuff. Nobody could live by them. So they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Remember Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to do what? To fulfill the law. So what Jesus is doing is fulfilling the law, and he's putting all of it together. He's just condensing it. And this is what he said. The most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So I want to challenge you. How will you love God more this year? What will you do to develop your love relationship with God? Secondly, I want to challenge you to develop your relationship with your family. What are you going to do to build better and stronger family relationships? 
And here's number three. I want to challenge you to better your relationship with your church and your church family. What will you be willing to do to improve the quality of the life of our church? What will you be willing to do to enable us at Spring Valley Baptist Church to fulfill our mission of making disciples of people in Northeast Columbia? What will you do to improve your attendance and your support with your attendance and your financial support of the life of our church? You see, all the figures are out today that this is a different day and age for church life. I read just this week in two different publications that regular attendance in church today is one and a half to two times a month. I pondered on that one and a half times. I guess that means you're here bodily, but you're not here spiritually. You know, you're just here going through the motions. If you don't believe that's true, think about who was in your Sunday school class this morning. Think about people you haven't seen in the last two weeks, the last month, the last six months, the last year. Look around you where you're sitting. There's Sundays in here, I could empty a five-shot shotgun and you wouldn't be in danger. Look around you. Look around you and see who's not here. Where are they? What have you done about that? You need to be here. But you notice somebody's not here. You need to do a little investigating. What's up? You see, if that pattern is one and a half to two times a month, that's going to be normal. Then somebody's sick and they miss another week. Then they have a death in their family or they have to go out of town. And they've missed three, four, five weeks. And guess what? Nobody calls them. Nobody checks on them. Deacons or care people in the Sunday school class. And guess what they think? Nobody cares about me there. It's just easier to stay home than it is to put forth the effort to go, right? We got an issue that we're going to address about that. Leadership nominating sees it as an issue. We got a meeting plan for teachers and leaders, don't we, Eric, coming up. That you'll be hearing more about. But I want to challenge you in those areas. Love God more. Develop your love relationship with your family. And I want to challenge you. To challenge yourself first and then challenge others about their level of commitment to, to this church and fulfilling our great commission to make disciples. Clarify your priorities. Clarify what's important to you. And then here's the fourth thing. And just, that, that's letter D. Don't wait to begin. Do it now. Paul said, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of your time. These times are evil, so make every moment count. Why? Because we only have so much time. We only have so much time. And we need to make the most of every moment. Every minute counts. Don't delay. Your relationship with God, at quite possibly somebody else's relationship with God, could depend upon the actions that you take today. So don't delay, okay? Make some new distinctions in your life. Start over with some new commitments, prioritizing your life according to God's will and his plan and leadership for your life. That's what a wise person would do. And I pray that we'll be wise.
Father in heaven, we thank you for the challenge from the words of Scripture today and these that they speak to our hearts and challenge us about some new determination for our life as we move throughout this year of 2018 and on beyond that in our life as we want to live for your glory as children of light and not children of the darkness. Help us first of all to commit our life to you. Then let us examine our life and relationship with you. Help us to prioritize then that life that we will grow deeper in our love for you and deeper with our families and deeper in our commitment to your kingdom expressed through the life of this church at Spring Valley that we would live for your glory and we would make those decisions now. That we would not waste any time. That we would take advantage of every opportunity and we would do it now. Father, give us that power as we commit our life to you through Christ to do what you call us to do and what we know we're supposed to do. In Jesus' name, amen.